John chapter 1, and we're going verse by verse uh, in the Gospel of John. And uh, when someone gets saved uh, here at our church, I always recommend that they start reading the Gospel of John. And uh, the reason for that is given at the end of the book, which we'll look at later this morning. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do that for a reason. It's because this book addresses uh, who Jesus Christ is, uh, and it does so in a more direct fashion than any other gospel in, in one respect. And the respect is, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Is he the Messiah? Is he the anointed of the Lord? If he's not, let me just say this right now, he can't save you from anything. All right? Um, and, and, and so if he is who he said he was, and I've said this before and I believe it, I stand by it, he's either a liar, and I know this may sound blasphemous to some of you, he's either a liar or he's a lunatic, he was not right mentally, or he's the Lord who he said he was. Um, and, and really, if you talk about anyone who has a Messiah complex, those are your options, right? And, and so uh, what makes him different, look at Romans 1. We'll come back to John 1, but look at Romans 1. What makes Jesus Christ different? I know we've kind of been over this and over this and over this, but uh, is one simple historical event. And uh, this is what makes Jesus Christ different. And you've got to understand, uh, this isn't just one uh, uh, you know, one person seeing somebody or claiming to see someone after they rose from the dead. This is a group of people, over 500 after, uh, right before the ascension, right? You got the 12 apostles, you got the, the 500, uh, and so you've got historical renderings outside, by the way, outside of the Bible, referencing the resurrection of this man named Jesus. And so look at Romans chapter 1. If there's an earmark, now this is why, uh, this is why th- this subject is so critical, because if this never happened, if he never rose from the dead, then he's not who he said he was. All right. So look at Romans chapter one, look at verse four. This is what separates him. I I don't say this to be caustic. I don't say this to sound proud. I don't say this to go, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Uh, I'll I'll say it this way. God's right and we're all wrong. Okay. But but, but what I do want to stress is this, what makes Jesus Christ different then the other prophets, the other uh, savior complex people, the other messiahs, the other uh, uh, leaders religiously, is that he claimed that he was going to give his life and lay down his life for the sins of mankind. He did that. He also claimed, I will not, no one's taking my life from me. I lay it down. If I lay it down, I will take it up again. And three days later, he arose from the dead. And that's what makes him different. Look at verse 4. And, and this is talking about Jesus Christ. Go, go back to verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David. This is talking about his physical birth. Made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And declared to be what? A son of God. That's who he declared to be. With power. How did he do this? According to the spirit of holiness. By the what? The, well, this is what? This is the earmark. If this doesn't happen, he's not who he said he was. His declaration is that he is the Son of God. So go back to John chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses here and uh, kind of pick up where we left off last week in regards to uh, our study. Uh, we were in verse number uh, 31, but I'm going to start in verse 29 and then work our way down a little bit. Uh, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me, Cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. 
You know what Jesus says before Abraham was? What? I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And I knew him not, verse 31. Now, this is John the Baptist talking. And uh, John the Baptist is his cousin. So when he says, I knew him not, you know what he's saying? I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know him as the Messiah uh, until this point in time. Now, listen, you can say, well, you can argue that his, his mom would have had information and insight about this. Why didn't she tell him about this? Uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you say you believe the Bible, right? You believe the Bible, and then something happens in your life, and you're like, oh, I believe it. Like, now I really believe it? Does that make sense? All right, like, I knew it before, but now I know it. And, and so, just like the Apostle Paul said that I may know him, he already knew him. Acts 9 is when he got saved. He already knew him as Savior, but now he's saying that I may know him a little bit more intimately. And so, John's going, oh, I knew him, but I didn't know him. All right, and, and so there's a lesson in that, which is this. You can be saved and not really have an intimate relationship with your Savior. And that choice is a daily one that's on you. Now, uh, John is saying, I knew him not, that, that, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. In other words, it confirms for us this idea that God has a timetable for everything. And, and God had this timetable laid out so that he goes, you know what? Uh, God didn't reveal this to me because it was important for God to reveal it to all of Israel. And since I'm the one preaching the message about the kingdom that's coming, now I get it. <laughs> and that's what's going on here in this verse. Uh, verse 31, therefore, at the end of the verse, am I come baptizing with water? And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but, that he, sent me to but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the what? That's the claim, and that's kind of the issue. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 3. I want you to see a parallel passage to this. And I want you to see something that's really important to get a hold of uh, in regard to what the Bible, the, the New Testament word for it is the Godhead. Uh, the Godhead. Matthew chapter 3. Now, uh, we, uh, there are a lot of times where we use things that are not necessarily uh, words that you'll find in your Bible, and I think there's liberty to do that. It's okay, as long as you're, what you're saying and teaching is right. Um, I get kind of fed up with people that are overly biblical. What I mean by that is this, you're so biblical, you're not biblical. Right. Well, the word, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. The word Sunday school is not in the Bible, so we're going to have Sunday school. The word padded chair is not in your Bible. You want to sit on the floor? I mean, that's what they did in the early church. Is that what you want to go back to? We can. If you're not careful with some of that stuff, you can go too far with it. And so the word Trinity, the idea of the three in one, the word Trinity is not found in your Bible, okay? The word Godhead is. And it says in Colossians that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, okay? So, so, so look at Matthew 3. I want to show you something. The word Godhead doesn't show up in this passage either. But I do want you to see something that's pretty interesting that's going on in uh, this passage. Look at John 3 in verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said to him, Suffer it, be so, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Now, you say, what is that all about? It has to do with the covenant that God made to his nation. 
And, and Jesus is saying, look, in order for this to go the right way in the Father's timetable, for me to be announced as to who I am and the ushering of the offering of the kingdom to Israel, this is a part of it. Now, what John the Baptist is saying is, look, uh, you should be baptizing me, not the other way around. Uh, but but I, I just want to remind you, sometimes, again, we get so humble, we're not, we're not aware of what God's trying to do. In other words, uh, Peter, not so, Lord. I won't let anyone touch you. Well, that's God's business, right? And so John's like, no, no, it shouldn't be this way. It's kind of like the time that Peter's like, Lord, you shouldn't be washing my feet. Remember that? Then he's like, okay, if that's how it works and I need to be clean, just start up here and work your way down here, right? Uh, get all of me, right? And, and so John is kind of like, you should be baptizing me. Uh, remember this, if, you, if God ever puts you in a position to use you, don't spend all of your time thinking about how, God, how can God use me, how can God use me. How, if you're there, just let him use you, okay? Uh, uh, so John is going, Lord, it shouldn't be this way. And the Lord's like, no, it, it should be, right? Now look at verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now, let's do some real simple math. If Jesus is supposed to be God manifest in the flesh, there's God the Son, there's God the Spirit in verse 16. Look at verse 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved what? In whom I am well Please. All right. And so the idea is this at the baptismal service of Jesus. We have a baptismal service today. And thank God the Lord is present. Amen. Uh, but but not exactly how it was at that moment in time. In that moment in time, what you have is literally the heavens open up uh, and God, the father speaks from heaven. And what literally what you have going on is the spirit of God coming down on the Lord Jesus. And, and at that moment, he becomes and it's a I'll say it this way. At that moment, it is publicly announced that he is the Lord's Christ. Now, he was the Lord's Christ at birth, but not everybody understood that, and not everybody knew that. Look at Luke chapter number one, two. Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two. Look, if you would, at verse uh, 25. And behold, there was a man. We, we went through this. The word Christ means anointed, which points to his uh, position as Messiah, all right? And so in the Old Testament, I mentioned before, I'll mention it again, there were three offices that would be anointed before they would commence their ministry, prophets, priests, and kings. And Jesus Christ represents all three of those in one. He is that prophet according to Deuteronomy. We learn about Deuteronomy 18, all right? They asked John, are you that prophet? No, I'm not but he's coming, right? And, 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 and then he's also a priest, according to the book of Hebrews, and clearly from the book of Matthew and Revelation, he is our king, amen? And so prophet, priest, and king. And so in order to begin his ministry, all right, it's kind of like what we were starting to learn about on Wednesday night. Authority doesn't just, you don't just take authority on your own. You don't just grab and say it's mine. Someone has to give it to you that has it. And so God the Father gives it to God the Son when he's getting baptized, all right? And so what you see going on in Matthew is God the Father saying, He's the one. God the Spirit saying, He's the one. And God the Son saying, I'm here. <laughs> and now, now look at Luke chapter 2 and look at verse number 20, uh, 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, if you study history, uh, Israel was waiting for their kingdom. Uh, they were under Roman occupation. And so they're waiting for their Messiah. They're waiting for their king. 
And this man, Simeon, has some insight that a lot of people around him don't. Uh, look at verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by what? If you, want, if you want anything to be revealed to you from the Bible, it has to come from the Spirit of God. And, and that means, and I, I mean this sincerely, it, it won't come uh, because I had this brilliant idea. I've got some new doctrine I've got to share with you guys. It'll be from going from Scripture to Scripture because the way the Lord works and the, the Spirit of God works is He inspired these words. And David says this, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wonder. We haven't even started class yet. Turn that alarm off. We're not done. All right? <laughs> o- open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. In other words, if I'm, I can literally look at this and I can read this and get nothing out of it. And you can do that two ways. If you're lost, the Spirit of God is not inside of you. And so you're reading the Bible, doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense. And then even after you get saved, listen, you can, you can have the Spirit of God inside of you. But if you've never been shown how to study the Scriptures, man, you're going to have a hard time. How many of you guys uh, got saved earlier in life, but man, just kind of struggled for many years? Anybody? All right, trying to figure out the Bible? Uh, that's common. That's common. That's why Ephesians 4 says God gave us a church for that purpose, right? Now, now look at what, look what uh, Simeon experiences here. The Spirit of God shows him this is the Messiah, and look what he says. That he should not see death, that Simeon would not see death, before he had seen the Lord's what? Christ. All right, the Lord's anointed. Let me show you one more place. Look at Luke chapter 9, and we'll come back to what we're looking at. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Now, I want to be clear about something, that John's baptism was a water baptism. Uh, We're going to do a water baptism today. Uh, But as far as uh, salvation is concerned, there's only one baptism that counts. And it's not one in water. All right? Uh, Look at Luke chapter 9, and look at Luke 9, verse number uh, 20. He said to them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The what? But notice he, he says the Christ of God. That prepositional phrase of God is important because it relates back to what you read in, in Luke chapter 2, the Lord's Christ. Why? Because there are many Christs and there are false Christs and there is an antichrist that's coming as well. And, and so what, what you're seeing in the scripture is this, this concrete kind of reminder going back to the idea that he wasn't just some guy that showed up and said, listen to me, there were witnesses from heaven that spoke. That's why you find, go to 1 John, I told you if we go back, go to 1 John uh, chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. That's why it says there are three that bear record in heaven. All right, look at 1 John chapter 5. Now remember, before Jesus Christ comes on this earth, he's not called the Son of God. He's called the Word of God. That's his title because that's an eternal position. All right, uh, when, when you want to communicate with somebody, you're not an animal, right? So we don't, we don't go, I know sometimes in marriage, we're kind of, mm, you know, you're interpreting things and, and you might, you, ladies, you might hear, and you go, oh, he's in a bad mood. And we might hear, and we go, are you okay? I'm fine. And we know you're not in a good mood either, right? We, we know that we don't always have to use actual words to communicate. I get that. But the highest form of communication, right, is, is you being able to communicate. That's what separates us from the animal kingdom. And so what God does in regards to his creations, he goes, I'm going to reveal myself. Well, how does he do that? Through, you go, well, through the word. Yeah, in two ways, verbal and physical. The word of God. And so look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And look, if you would, at verse number 7. Right, go, go back to verse 6. I'm sorry. This is he that came by water and blood. 
Uh, that water is a reference to Jesus' physical birth on this planet. All right? By water and blood, and even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. Now, that's a message in and of itself I don't have time to go into, but it's pretty deep what was just said right there. And it, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is what? Well, what does the Spirit bear witness to? The words of God. All right? Uh, look at uh, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Who are these three? It's who showed up at Jesus' baptism. The Father spoke from heaven. The Word was getting baptized. And the Holy Ghost bore witness to it, and He descended upon Him like a dove. The, and these three are what? They're not three. They're one. <laughs> and if you have a hard time with that, can I just remind you, you are a body, a soul, and a spirit. And can I remind you of this? Your body wants things that your soul is not interested in at all now that you're saved. Isn't that awesome? At least one party is doing the right thing, right? <laughs> Come on, right? And so so just, just keep in mind, you're not three different people, but there are three elements to who you are, all right? So uh, go back to John chapter 1 in light of that. John chapter 1. Actually, no, pit stop. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You guys all right with that? Is that cool? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter... You're already on your way over there. I figured you might just stop in Corinthians, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I mentioned this, and I want to mention it again. Uh, The only baptism that counts for your salvation is a spiritual one. And, And that's not when you get in the water. When you get in the water, that is a public testimony. That's a matter of association. That is your way of saying, I'm on the Lord's side. And uh, we're going we're to talk about that in the morning message, who's on the Lord's side. But, but in regards to, to physical baptism, it's I want to identify with a new life. I want to identify with the fact that I'm trying to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Spiritual baptism must or should precede water baptism. In other words, you should get saved and baptized in the Spirit before you ever get in the water. When I say baptized in the Spirit, I don't mean rolling around the ground and foaming at the mouth and, you know, shantai, untie the bow tie or whatever else. Uh, I don't mean any of that stuff, all right? And by the way, if you think I'm being mean, I want to say this real clear. For those that are of a charismatic background, uh, I, I spent a couple of years of my, of my young life, my dad can attest to this, before he was even saved, going to a, a charismatic church with my mom. They taught me Jesus loves me. They loved on me and my family. I'm eternally grateful for that. I called that preacher, even though we don't have the same doctrine, I left him a voicemail about five years ago. I just got overwhelmed by the Spirit of God to think about how God worked in my life before I was even saved. So what I'm saying is not to be caustic towards people, but to address the doctrine that's false, all right? I want you to understand that. So, but but being baptized in the Spirit is not, you know, rolling around the ground or losing control of yourself. As a matter of fact, when you get the Spirit of God in you, you get more control of yourself. You start saying, maybe I shouldn't say that. (laughs) Right? Have you ever been there? Maybe I shouldn't look at that. Maybe I shouldn't listen. Maybe I shouldn't think that way. That's what happens when the Spirit of God comes inside of you. When you are baptized in the Spirit, uh, let's just draw an equal symbol to the word salvation. Now, you didn't realize this, and I got to tell you guys, there's some people that make salvation very complicated, and it shouldn't be. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. God is not. He wants to make a way for you to be reconciled with Him. You can't do it on your own because all that you can do will show that you are working towards something that's already been paid for. Jesus, Otherwise, Jesus died for no reason at all. 
He spread his arms out. Uh, you guys, can you imagine this? As they're, as they're going to, to strap the other uh, criminals to their crosses, they're fighting. I mean, usually there's sometimes, I'll just say this, I'm looking in this direction right now. You ever had anyone kind of resist a little bit when you're trying to wrap them up? You know what I'm talking about? All right. All right. For those that don't know, he's in the force. You know what kind of force I'm talking about, right? And, and so, and so you've got to use force, right? When you do the Roman soldiers were used to fighting with people. When they were trying to put them on a cross, Jesus goes, God, talk about strength, man. Whew. Man, I would want to punch someone. If someone's trying to, I mean, Second Amendment, you know, I mean, you know, and, 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 and Jesus had his disciples, and they had swords, and he says, put them up. Put your swords up. Man, I don't, I don't get that. Everything in the core of my being goes against that. that that's supernatural is what that is. But, but what you have to understand is this. He, God makes a way for you to be reconciled with him through the payment that his son made on your behalf. And the moment you got saved, you said, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's a punishment for sin. Jesus loved me. God loved me to send his son to die for me. He died. He was buried. He rose again for me. I'm going to trust that for my salvation. You got saved, all right? Now, and that happened. Do you realize the moment that happened, you were spiritually born again? You were spiritually circumcised. You were spiritually baptized. When I got saved, I couldn't tell you any of that stuff. I just knew I was saved now. All right? Now, what, the reason I'm saying this is because some people make salvation so complicated. They'll go, did you, Joe, when you believed, did you receive? Or did, when you received, did you believe? And it's like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, and they'll talk you out of your salvation. And you don't need to listen to that. All right? Listen, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're born again. You are baptized in the Spirit. There's a spiritual baptism that took, that took place the moment you got saved, and that's the only one that counts for your salvation, all right? Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look, look down, if you would, at verse number 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally, as he will. Talk about the gifts of the Spirit. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all what? Now, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is when you read the word water, automatically assuming it's talking about baptism. Or when you read the word baptism, automatically assuming it's talking about water. Now, oftentimes baptism is, but you've got to look at the context. I don't find water anywhere in this passage. It's a spiritual thing that's going on. So when you got saved, you were baptized in the Spirit. Go to Ephesians 4, and then we'll go back to John, okay? We'll eventually get there, guys. Hang out. Kind of just flip, flip around a little bit, right? Let's be honest. We flip-flop through everything else in life. We might as well do it through the Bible, all right? Ephesians chapter 4. Look, if you would, at uh, uh, verse number 4. There is one body and one Spirit... Thank God there's one spirit. We're, we have a hard time staying united as it is, right? There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one what? I can show you seven right now, but it says there's one. Do you know what the context is? The body. How do you get into the body? The way you get into a, in the body of Christ is not through water baptism. The way you get in the body of Christ is by being born again. By being baptized in the Spirit of God. Now, I told you, John, I am so sorry. Matthew 3, we'll get there, we'll get there. Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. This is how you learn the Bible, though. Matthew 3. And uh, notice something that John the Baptist says. Matthew chapter 3. 
Matthew 3, look if you would, at verse 11. And we talked a lot about John's baptism last Sunday and how it was a national message for the nation of Israel to receive the kingdom. It was a baptism unto repentance, uh, like Peter's was in Acts 2 after the cross. Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Well, that's an understatement, isn't it? (laughs) He's mightier than we are, that's for sure. Mightier than I, whose shoes I... You ever heard the saying, you got big shoes to fill? You know where that comes from? You ever heard someone say, uh, 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 what is it, uh, money, uh, something about money flying away? Something like, you know where that comes from? It comes from Ecclesiastes. Uh, there's a number of things that, that we say in modern day language that come from a book that people claim is outdated and you can't read. Uh, so, so he says, I can't bear those shoes. I, I'm, not, I'm not worthy of that. Uh, but look what he says here about Jesus Christ. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, comma, and with what? You got two options there. You can be baptized in the Spirit of God, be born again, or you can reject His offer of salvation and be baptized in fire. Both of those baptisms last for eternity. Is this making sense? All right, if you don't know what, the, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look at verse number 12. It's called unquenchable fire for a reason. All right, and the Bible speaks of that being the lake of fire, of course. Now, the idea is this, as far as your salvation goes, there's only one baptism that matters. It's being born again, being spiritually baptized, and not to, uh, not to pick on anybody, but winter, we're glad you got saved Wednesday night. We really are. That's a blessing. Very, very good news. Been praying about that for a long time. What took you so long? I'm just kidding. We're so glad you got saved. I mean, I mean, literally months and months and months. Lord, please, please reach the rest of that family. And so thank God for that. When you got saved, you may not have realized it, but at that moment in time, you were spiritually baptized. In other words, your place in Christ and Christ is placed in you, all right? And, and so uh, go back to John chapter 1, John chapter 1. I think we're supposed to get excited about, like, football coming back on, and, you know, I, I guess so, yeah, a little bit, but I'm way more excited about someone getting saved, way more excited. That's going to last a whole lot. Listen, uh, when, when uh, Tom Brady is 95 and he's, like, half cyborg and still throwing a ball, all right, uh, uh, listen, wh- regardless of what happens on the football field, understand that whatever is going on in your life between you and God, that's a whole lot more important. And so when someone gets saved around here, it's exciting. It's a good thing. Uh, John chapter 1, look if you would at verse number uh, 34. Verse 34, and I'm going to move this forward a little bit. There we go. Uh, verse 34, uh, John the Baptist testifying, saying, And I saw... And bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, let me, let me stop and tell you this. If at the baptism you have God the Father and God the Spirit saying, yep, He's the one. Let's take Jesus out of the mix because uh, oftentimes in a court of law, you can't be your own witness. So let's just take Him out. You got God the Father and you got God the Spirit and now you got John the Baptist going, this is Him. You guys remember at the crucifixion, uh, we may even look at that verse, there's a man that says, truly, this was the Son of God. All right, so the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Now, I, I want to give you a look at Matthew chapter 4, because the, the main uh, uh, debate, if I can use that term, the main debate or the main question um, in the ministry, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ is, is he the Son of God? Now, uh, that, that is not so much... Uh, the debate today as much as it is, is he the savior of the world? Now, that said, those two thoughts are kind of connected, all right? 
uh, because he can't be the Savior if he's not the Son of God. Uh, many people have died for other people. Look, I appreciate my, my dad was in the army. Brother Dennis was in the army. We got some Vietnam vets in this, in this place, and I salute them, and I appreciate that. And they lost friends in that war. And every generation since, you've got Persian Gulf, you've got Iraq, Afghanistan. You've got some good men and women that have laid down their lives for their country, and we ought to be thankful for that. Uh, ha- having said that, they couldn't take away your sins when they died. Only one man could. And it's because he was without blemish and without spot. Uh, as the Bible says, a lamb, the Lamb of God without blemish and without spot. Look at Matthew 4 and look at verse number 3. I want you to see something. When the devil shows up, this was his, like, this was his thing. If you're who you say you are. Now, when the devil shows up, that's always his first thing. Back in the Garden of Eden, did God really say that? I mean, you ever go to church and hear somebody go, yeah, and then you leave and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I have. I'll tell him myself. I've been sitting where you're at, and the preacher says, I'm like, yeah, amen. They're like, I don't know. Really? I don't know if I have to do that. And, and you know what that is? Is that something whispering in your ear? Uh, yea, hath God said. Now, look what the devil does in Matthew 4, verse 3. And when the tempter came, that's his, that's his title. When the tempter came to him, he said, if. If's a big word. It's only two letters, but it says a whole lot. If thou be the Son of God. You want to prove it? Turn these stones into bread. Now, you know why he's pushing him on that issue? Because that's the issue in his ministry. Now, let me ask you a question. Matthew 4, this is not deep. Does it not come after Matthew 3? Some of you are like, I don't get it. It's really not that deep. It's Matthew 4 comes after. That's it. But in chapter 3 is when he's baptized. And his public, the, the public announcement of who he is in his ministry commences. First thing that happens once his public announcement comes, once his ministry commences, you say, what happens? The devil comes. And everyone, the Father just told him, you're it. The Spirit just told him, you're it. John the Baptist just said, he's it. And then by himself, after 40 days and 40 nights of not eating and not being out in the wilderness by himself, he was hungry and he was tired, and that's when the devil shows up. Don't be surprised in your life if, if you're in a place of isolation and you isolate yourself or you kind of withdraw yourself. Listen, Jesus was doing what he was doing by following the Spirit of God. He wasn't sinning by being isolated. He was doing the right thing. But even in that time of following God, there was a moment of vulnerability and weakness. And that's when the devil pounced. And that's when he's going to do it in your life. When you're alone and when you're vulnerable and weak. Now, I want you to understand, the reason he comes at him with this temptation, with this thought, is because this is the issue. If he's not the Son of God, then why is he going to start this ministry? Why is he going to go and and pick disciples, one of whom is going to betray him, one of whom is going to deny him? Uh, People are going to hate him. They're going to spit on him, put a crown of thorns on his head, and, and he knows the prophecy from the Old Testament. One day he stands up and reads from Isaiah in the temple. He knows that's him. Why would he go through any of that trouble if he's not who God the Father said he was? You can see how that can plague your mind and make you, should I, shouldn't I, do do I commit to this, do I not? This was real. Some people discount this to go, oh, well, Jesus, he couldn't have sinned. Where'd you get that? The Bible says he was uh, 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 tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. It doesn't say he couldn't have sinned. It says he, he was without. In other words, he, he received those temptations and he responded the right way. But, but the temptation was strong, if thou be the Son of God. If. Look at verse number uh, five. 
Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If, if thou be the Son of God. Do you see that? This is, this, is, this is bigger maybe than maybe you've realized before, this idea of whether he is who he said he was. Uh, look at Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Do you know how you should identify in your life? How God identifies you. That's how God the Son did it. That's how Jesus did it. I'm going to identify with who the Father says that I am. I'm not going to come up with my own identity. When you do that as a Christian, you're in trouble. Because God's the one. Listen, we, we live in an age of people who struggle with identity. Am I a man? I'm not, I'm not being funny when I say this. Am I a man? Am I a woman? Uh, you know, am, am I... Uh, you know, it, it, should, should I pursue this career? Should I not? Uh, uh, I, I, if, if I didn't have a successful career, then you know what? I might, I might do a lot of things and change my appearance because I want to identify with something. I want to I find something in life that I identify to. That's why people do a lot of weird stuff to their body and their face and all that stuff. You say, why is that? Because they want to say, I, I, I belong in something. I belong in a group. If you're going to classify me and qualify me somewhere, which we all do anyways, I want to be identified with something. Listen, you as a child of God, you shouldn't look for your identity in all of this or in your career or anything else. It should be, I'm a child of God. And everything else in my life is second to that. Listen, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm thankful to be an American, thankful for our heritage, thankful for our history. And uh, for anyone that says, well, we took the Indian's land. Have you studied history? Everyone took everyone's land. That's how it worked. I'm not saying that everything that was done in that process was right, but can we stop with that stupid narrative of like, well, we can't celebrate our country because of, listen, man, you ought to be thankful. If you're not, I'll buy you a ticket somewhere. And then you'll come back on your own thankful for what you got. Listen, I was talking with, uh, with uh, uh, oh, I just went blank. Uh, brother, why did I just, uh, brother Ashfix's father. Brother, what's your name? Uh, thank you. Get on, get on. And I'm like, I knew his last name, I couldn't remember his first name. Uh, we were talking about last week at, at, over lunch. And he said, oh, pastor. He said, we have it so good here. I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, in India, if you're a Christian, they make it hard. And let me, let me just say, this is even part of the message. You don't have to be proud. You don't have to look down on the rest of the world because you're American, but you can be thankful. Okay. And, 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 but, but let me just say, I was saying all that to say I'm thankful to be an American, but you know my first identity is not an, as an American. You say, oh, I know what it is. It's Puerto Rican. Right? No, 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 I'm thankful for that too. But, but that's, that's the weirdest place to be from. They're like, are you American? Uh, y- yes. Uh, uh, well, I just thought you were from Puerto Rico. I am. Well, you're Puerto Rican. Yeah, but I'm American too. I'll never forget one time I was talking to a guy in Tennessee. He goes, brother, he was at church. He goes, brother, was it real hard for you to come here? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Swam across the Caribbean Sea. you shark infested. We had no idea, poor guy. Point is this, point is this, guys. That's not your first identity. Your first identity is I'm a child of God. Look at Matthew 14. We've got to hurry wrap this up. Matthew 14, look at verse number 33. Look at what the disciples said uh, whenever they saw that Jesus Christ uh, could could bring Peter out of the water and save him when they saw that Jesus could walk on water. Look what they say in verse 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the what? 
Son of God. Uh, look, if you would, at Matthew chapter number uh, 26. Matthew 26. This was the issue that was on trial. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Look, if you would, at verse number 63. Matthew 26, verse 63. But Jesus held his peace. We would do well to do that more often. Amen. If Jesus, the sinless Son of God, can be quiet, we can learn to do that too. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said to him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. That was the whole issue during his ministry. This is what led uh, the, the, the leadership of his day to say we want him crucified. All right, because if he's not who he said he was, he'd be committing blasphemy. Look at Matthew 27, Matthew 27, verse number 40. Matthew 27, verse 40. And saying, thou hast destroyed the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, do you see this? I mean, the whole, through his entire ministry, it's going on. At the beginning, in the middle, at the end, while he's hanging there, they're going, if you are, if you are, I raised the dead. Is that not enough for you? And, and they're like, well, no, it's not. He's like, well, watch this one. Give me a couple days. Amen. <laughs> if thou be the son of God, that's the charge, right? If thou be the son of God, uh, look at verse 43. He trusted in God. Let him, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. This was the issue. Uh, look at verse 54, same passage. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus. Let me just stop right there. You know how you get convinced of who Jesus is? Quit watching people. Quit looking at people. Quit, quit, quit evaluating other Christians' lives. You will find plenty wrong. Can, can, I, can I give you some other advice? When you look in the mirror, you're going to find plenty wrong as well. But man, when you look at Jesus, you go, I want to be just like that. They're watching this man, and they're watching the... The beer, they watch the beer get ripped out. They watch the crown thorns be platted on. And they watch him be put on a cross. And then the centurion, the, one of the guys that was smacking him around and joking about his clothes and gambling over his clothes and watching the interaction that Jesus has with these men. And he says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And at the end of that day, that guy was a convert. All you gotta do is watch Jesus long enough. You will be. Uh, the point is this, all through the, the ministry of Jesus Christ, uh, look at John chapter number 9. John 9 will stop there. John chapter 9 will stop there for the Sunday school lesson. We're ending a little bit late. I know you guys aren't surprised by that. I understand that. But I also want to point out, we started late. We had the Sunday school thing, so yeah, a little bit, yeah. John chapter 9, John chapter 9, not feeling the warm fuzzies on that one. John chapter 9, look at verse uh, number 35. Now, this is a story about a blind man that was healed. This man is healed of his blindness. And, and uh, basically, there's a, kind of a group of people that are doing a, a little investigation going, hey, are you with that Jesus guy? Hey, what's this Jesus guy? What did he do to you? What's this all about? So look at John 9, verse 35. Jesus heard they had cast him out. When he had found him, he said to him, dost thou believe on the Son of God? That was the question. Now, it's third person. Now, look. If you fling the stars into the existence and you want to talk about yourself in the third person, go right ahead. <laughs> Otherwise, it's weird. <laughs> like if I'm like, Adrian wants coffee. <laughs> right? That's just weird. Right? But, but, but he says, dost thou believe on the Son of God? And look at the man's response. Who is he, Lord? 
That's a fair question. Now look at Jesus' response. And Jesus said to him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh. Lord, why do you have to stretch it out? Why can you say, it's me? <laughs> kind of like the Lord, though, isn't it? The one that you've seen. Now, you know what's interesting about this? This man was blind. He says, Thou hast both seen him. Can you imagine the first thing that you see when you open your eyes being Jesus Christ? Amen. Well, that's going to happen someday when you go home. Amen. It's going to get real dark, and then, and then just shortly after it gets real dark, you're going to open your eyes in a place with no sin, and that air is like no other place, and the sun shines bright like no other place, and there's no bars, and there's no clubs, and there's no hospitals, and there's no jails, and there's no fentanyl overdoses, and there's no crime, there's no taxes, and man, it's going to be glorious forever and ever and ever and ever. And David says, when I awake, I shall be satisfied, for I shall be awakened with thy likeness. And what a thing. But the whole charge, I want to close this thought, the whole charge was, is he or is he not the Son of God? So you have God the Father saying he is. You've got God the Spirit saying he is. You've got John the Baptist saying he is. You've got the disciples saying he is. You've got the centurion saying he is. The devil never does admit that. He doesn't. But uh, everybody else around him did. And, uh, and then you had this blind man. You know what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing that people who spend enough time with Jesus Christ realize that he is different. So let me encourage you to spend more time with him this week. Let's stand, be dismissed in a word of prayer. We'll take about a 10-minute break, go to the restroom, shake some hands. Now listen, the order was restroom, shake hands. So in between that, wash your hands. <laughs> All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I uh, hope you guys learned something in Sunday school today. Uh, and uh, look forward to the next hour ahead. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, God, for all of your people coming today. Lord, thank you for those that are going to be getting baptized. Thank you for those that are dedicating their children. And, uh, Lord, we're excited to be here today, thankful to be here. And, uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit would bear witness to the words that went out. Lord, that you would touch hearts and you would touch lives. And, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for being who you are in our life. God, thank you for never changing. Thank you for being consistent. Lord, thank you for just being our rock. And uh, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, that today Lord, would be the day of their salvation. And Lord, for those that are saved, they'd be stirred, encouraged. Lord, whatever it is that they need, Lord, that you would minister to them. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take a break there.